So what are you afraid of today? And if you believe what I think you believe, if you truly believe that the God of the Bible is with you, then why in the world are you afraid? I mean, if we believe what we say we believe, then why do we experience fear? And if God is our God, then shouldn't he be giving us courage? Shouldn't, shouldn't he make us a people of courage? I'll tell you what, I don't have any easy answer to that question. But I want you to know what Rhea said is true, what Alice said is true, that if this morning you walked into the room and there's stuff going on in the background of your life and you're worried, you're concerned, you're afraid, you're experiencing fear, you, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I want to say welcome. Welcome to a room full of people who know what it is to struggle in following Jesus. Welcome to a room full of people who will, will, will joyfully admit that following Jesus and being a Christian and coming to church and trying to, to do life God's way, sometimes it, it feels more like a train wreck, that it's just not easy, that, that sometimes we have more questions than answers. And I want you to hear me say, it, it's okay. It's okay. And that this is a safe place to ask those hard questions. And I want you to know what I've said from the very beginning of this series all along as we kind of walk through the Psalms. This is true, that, that we're not going to try to answer those difficult questions, because I, I, I don't think that's helpful. But what I do want to do is invite you, invite you into the presence of God and turn to God with those questions, because I fully believe that it's in the presence of God um, that we get the help we need, that we experience the peace we're looking for. And while we may not find quick relief or quick answers, what we do find is relationship. And I believe that is such a big part of what it means to follow Jesus. So what are you afraid of? I faced one of my, uh, one of my fears this week. Some of you know this because you're friends with me on Facebook. Um, I turned 40 this week. Yeah, why are you laughing? Uh, I know, I know. It was, it was a scary day. I woke up and I was an old man. In fact, all week long, my kids have been calling me old man. And I'm like, stop. What's up with the old man jokes? If you're looking for my cane, I left it in my office, but I do have one. Um, I, I don't get it. But uh, some of you have been wondering too, you know, what can you get me for my birthday? And, and I appreciate that because uh, while gifts, receiving gifts is not my love language, I still appreciate them. Um, uh, we, sh- we showed this video a couple of weeks ago. It's sort of been the inspiration for the series. You know, Amazon has this device, an Amazon Echo, where you can ask Alexa anything and she'll get it for you. Well, they've come out with a model for old timers like me, and I thought you might enjoy uh, watching this video uh, for Amazon Alexa, the Silver Edition. So if you would, uh, watch this. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. Odessa! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. 
Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. <laughs> the latest in sports. Clarence, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Page died in 1982. <laughs> how many he get? Satchel Page is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. <laughs> you say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare <laughs> it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. <laughs> are you trying to kill me, Alize? It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars. And he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Cause I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So I mean you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. Oh, man. It's too funny. Every time I see it, I cry. <sighs> what are you afraid of? Um, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, uh, like Landry, my parents made me uh, work for money as well. My dad was a bit of a handyman of sorts, and uh, every summer he would uh, be doing jobs all over town. And he had this house lined for us to paint it. And so I went with my dad to the, to the job site, and uh, he was going to start around front, told me to go around back and start getting everything ready to be, to be painted as we worked on this, uh, this home for this, uh, this lady. And I got around back, and no lie, I saw... It looked like it was something right out of the pages of National Geographic, the largest spider web I had ever seen with this huge spider right in the middle of it. How many of you, like me, are, are deathly afraid of spiders? There's just a moment of confession there. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And so it freaked me out. I was like, what? I am not getting near this house. This thing was huge, you know? And so I looked it up online this week. You can tell I'm still scarred like 25 years later by this moment. And this spider is called, let me find the name of it again. Oh, yeah. An Argiope Orientia, Right? It's so commonly known for some reason as a yellow garden spider. I found out via Wikipedia that, that these spiders actually are venomous. See, so I had a reason to be afraid. I mean, they say it doesn't hurt humans, but I don't want to find out. They bite and they're huge. And, and, and I turned around to get something, a ladder or something. And I had this moment where I felt this ginormous spider leap from its web onto my back. And I don't know if this really happened, but it felt like it. And I took off running and screaming and uh, tearing my shirt off and trying to get rid of it. And then finally my dad came around and wondered what the fuss was about. And I was too embarrassed to tell him. But, you know, that's not really important. We're all afraid. We're all afraid of something, right? We all have things that we're afraid of. You may not be really scared of turning another year older. Uh, may, maybe you are. Maybe you're afraid of that because of your age or the age of your parents, that that is a real fear. Maybe you're probably not, you know, the, the fear of man-eating spiders probably isn't keeping you awake at night, but there may be something that's on your heart and mind that is worrying you and causing you to lose sleep at night. And that's because this is, this is real. We've talked about this before in this room. This is real. Fear is real. And we all experience it. 
It has such a dominant effect on our life. The things that we worry about, the things that we stress about, they weigh on our shoulders and they keep us awake at night. And we experience fear and that leads to anxiety and that leads to depression and that leads to us doing all sorts of things because fear has a crippling effect on our lives. It makes us sick. Literally, some of us, we we do this. You've done this. I've done this. We've worried ourselves literally sick and we end up on, on medications to help our bodies compensate for the stress and the worry and the fear that we're feeling. This happens every day all across our country and all across our world. Fear is real and fear is dominant. And it's true, and this is hard to admit, this is true even for people who trust in Jesus. Even for people who've been following God for a lot of years. Even though logically it doesn't make sense that that we believe the God of the universe, that we believe the one who spoke the stars into existence, we believe that when Jesus was born, his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. We believe that when he died on the cross, he proved that he was for us. We believe like when Evan was baptized behind us a few moments ago, we, we believe that in that moment when we enter the water that we are resurrected into a new creation and that in that moment the Holy Spirit comes and God is in us. Yet we still feel afraid. Why? Why? Why do we wrestle with fear? Alan and Rhea read this beautiful psalm, Psalm 27. If you have a Bible or a device, if you want to open that up or turn that on, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. But, but these, again, are the words of David. And if you don't know much about David, I can catch up real quick. David was known for a couple of things that I think are important today. One, he was known as a man after God's own heart. Spiritual guy. Lover of God. And two, David was known as a mighty warrior. And yet, he wrote these words. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? In other words... I know God is my light and my salvation, so why in the world am I so afraid right now? I know that God is my fortress. He can, he can protect me from anything. Why in the world am I shaking in my boots? David, a man who was known as a man for God's own heart, someone who was known as a mighty warrior, experienced great fear. And we don't really know. We don't really know when David wrote these words. Scholars disagree, and there's really no way to pinpoint it or to nail it down. But uh, one of the possibilities is a time in the life of David when he was literally on the run for his life, all right? He had already been anointed by one of God's men, a man by the name of Samuel, to be the next king of Israel. But right now, there was a man by the name of Saul, King Saul, who was king. Now, just to tell you a part of the story, King Saul had kind of fallen out of the graces of God. He had made some poor choices. He had not followed God's ways, God's commands. And and the fact of the matter is, his time as rule and reign as king was coming to an end, and David would be the next king. But for this moment, he's not. King Saul is still king, and he feels threatened by David. And so he's chasing down David, trying to kill him. The only problem is David had already been on campaigns for King Saul. David had already gone to war for King Saul. And David had already won victory after victory because God was with him. God was on his side. God was for him. And God, David had done incredible things. And so in, in, in 1 Samuel 
at the end of 1 Samuel, you, you pick up part of the story. Let me just read you a few verses to give you a snippet to show you what David might have been experiencing. I don't know for sure, but might have been experienced when he wrote these words in Psalm 27. In 1 Samuel 21, verse 10, we read this. David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. They said, isn't this David, the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one people honor with their dances and singing? Listen to these words. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. David heard these comments and underline these words in your Bible. If, highlight them if you can. David was very afraid. He was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. So David left Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. David. Somebody who had experienced God's goodness in the past. Somebody who had known God's favor before. Someone who had, who had gone to battle and seen victory after victory. Who had seen the evidence of God's faithfulness in his life over and over again. Right now, in this moment, is very afraid. Why? I mean, you and I looking at the story, reading it, you know, because we're kind of zoomed out. We can see the whole picture. We're wondering this morning, why? Why would David be? David knows he's going to be okay. David knows how the story goes. David knows no matter who comes against him, God is on his side. Why is David afraid? And why is he hiding in a cave? This morning, I don't know what it is you're struggling with or fearful of. But it might be that you feel like David. It might be that if we were to sit down and talk, you might say, yeah, I'm in that same cave. I'm in that same dark place. Let me just tell you what's going on right now. Let me tell you what I'm afraid of. Let me tell you what I I fear might happen next. If so, I want you to lean in and listen to what David writes. Psalm 27, verse 2, he continues his prayer. Whom shall I fear? He says, when evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. The mighty army surrounds me. You can just see David peering out of this dark cave and possibly seeing the armies of Saul in the distance encamped against him. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even If I'm attacked, I will remain confident. David knows. He knows that in this exact moment in time, the future does not look good. The immediate future is bleak. The odds are stacked against him, yet somehow he finds the strength to pray to God in confidence. So he prays in verse 4, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most. Remember, he's hiding in a cave. What does he want more than anything? Is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come and he will hide me in a sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on the high rock. What does David want more than anything else? He wants to leave that cave and escape to the temple of God. He wants to be in the house of God, in the presence of God. Why? Because he knows. He knows what you and I know, right? That in the presence of God, man, when when you are literally in the presence of God, you have nothing to fear. 
Later, one of the New Testament writers would say it this way, perfect love cast out fear. When you are in the presence of God, you experience perfect peace. Because you know that whatever comes against you, if God is literally right there, you've got nothing to be afraid of. He can handle it. And so verse 6, he says, I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me as a sanctuary. I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing, praise, singing and praising the Lord with music. And I want you to get this. And maybe you've experienced this, right? That whenever you are the recipient, whenever you are on the receiving end of divine deliverance, the result is always, always unrestrained, uncontained worship. And just to take a quick time out, this isn't the message this morning, but I think this, is, this raises a really good question for us this morning in the middle of Psalm 27. And the question is this, what role does worship play in your prayer life? Is your prayer life void of private worship? If when you pray, you never praise you might be missing out. And, and if you want to know the secret to having, this is not the way to say this, but you know what I mean. If you want to know the secret to having better worship at church, you know what it is? It's private worship. When your private worship is ignited at home, our public worship will explode. And anytime we lose sight of who we worship, and we start getting consumed with the way we worship. There's a problem there, right, church? Somebody told me a story one time of a guy who left a church because they stood too much when they sang. And I just, my heart sunk. I'm like, dude, that guy is not going to be happy in heaven. Do you think when we get to heaven, we're going to be, you know, sitting on pews singing hallelujah? No, every, every picture of worship in heaven is angels. Angels erupting in praise, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And you and I, when we worship, we get to participate in the praise of the eternal God that happens without end. And one day when we get to be there in his presence, I can tell you, we're not going to be complaining about the way we worship. It's not going to be we, we sat too much, we stood too much, we sang the old songs, we sang the new songs. We're going to be in the presence of the eternal God. And the only thing that's going to matter is that we're there and we get to participate. And I hate to tell you this, your hands may be up, you may be on your knees, flat on your face. I don't know, but it won't be like this, right? You can't do that. It's crazy talk. And I'm not trying to, to scold us this morning. I'm just trying to wake us up to the reality that when we come into the presence of God, oh, my lands, can you get excited about the day? I can. And when in your private prayer you begin to experience private praise, then when we gather together as a group, as we come together as the church, our public worship, dynamite. That's not the message today, but I want to encourage you. In your private prayers, please take time to experience private praise. Worship your God however you want to, but worship him in your prayer. Praise him for who he is and all he's done. Like David you can, you can, you can anticipate, if you're in the middle of it, you can anticipate his divine deliverance. If you've experienced him, you can, you can praise him for it. And you can tell him, 
When this happens, I'm going to hold my head high. I will, I will sing and I will praise you and I will make music because of who you are and because of all you've done. And he goes on to say in verse 7, So God, hear me. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Don't you love that? David reminds us, it's not you inviting God into your presence. That's backwards. God is superior. God is sovereign. Yahweh is the holy one. He is the one who was and is and is to come. That's who he is. He invites you into, your, into his presence. And that's mind-boggling and mind-blowing, right? But he does. He does. And so we get to come into his presence because he has invited it. He has initiated it. We get to step into the presence of a holy God. And he says, come and talk with me. And David replies, my heart has heard you say, Lord, I'm coming. Verse 9, do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper, so don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. So teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they will accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence, yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Again, David, David's confident. Afraid? Yeah. Uncertain? Absolutely. Completely confident in God? Yeah. You bet. So he closes with these words, and I want you to, I want you to, to write these down, put these in your phone, do something. Verse 14, he says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And this may be true of you today. That right now in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your situation, in the middle of your life, in the middle of your conflict, in the middle of your relationships, in the middle of the job deal, in the middle of, you know, crisis with friends, with family, whatever it is, you may be experiencing tremendous fear. But I want you to know from Psalm 27 that while I don't have any answers for why we feel this way, I guess it's because we're not robots, right? I mean, we're human. God made us this way. But you can experience, you can simultaneously experience fear and be afraid. And at the same time, have confidence in God and in who he is. This past week, I was, maybe it was two weeks ago, I was talking with one of our shepherds about it, and it came up in our small group too, this whole idea of prayer and you know, how we pray and what we pray for and and it was just this, this realization that so often what we pray for is for God to deliver us from whatever's going on. So often what we ask God for is to help us in the middle of our crisis and to, to take the pain and the suffering away. Yet, we know this is true, that it's, it's through the pain, it's through the suffering that we experience growth, Right? I mean, God never promised that we wouldn't suffer. God never promised that we wouldn't have pain or we wouldn't have tough times, right? And we ask for God to alleviate that. But one look at the cross reminds us that if we believe in Jesus, if we follow God, we'll almost certainly experience suffering. We'll almost certainly experience pain. But this is how we grow. Like you want to have 
an incredible relationship with God. You want to know God. You want to, to, to have this incredible, you know, thing with God, with you and God. But you can't, you, you get this, right? You can't have that unless you go through the resistance. Like if you want bigger muscles, unlike me, you have to lift weights. You have to have resistance. And pushing through that resistance makes you stronger. A plant, for it to grow, it has to push up through the dirt. That's how it grows and how it becomes strong. The same is true for you and me. And maybe instead of praying that God take away what it is we're going through, maybe it's just the prayer God help us through whatever it is we're going through. Maybe it's this prayer that David said. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait. Wait patiently for the Lord. In fact, if I could just give you one thing, and it's not the answer, but it's, I believe this is a gift from David to you and me this morning. It's that this week when you experience fear, just to pray this prayer, this simple prayer. Lord, help me be brave and courageous. Help me to wait patiently for you, Lord. In fact, can we just say those words out loud together this morning? Let's, let's just say those words together. Let's say it together. Lord, help me be brave and courageous. Help me wait patiently for you. That's it. That's the prayer. And it's not magic. It's not going to take away your crisis. But when you pray that prayer and God hears that prayer, I do believe God will deliver. And God will help us in the middle of it to be brave, to simultaneously be afraid, but to also have confidence and hope in him. So this morning, I just want to ask you to stand. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. And I want to tell you that I know we have a lot to be afraid of. We live in a world where there's so much, so much to make us worried, so much to give us concern. If you watch the news, stop. (laughs) There's just too much, too much to be afraid of. There was another point in the life of David when he experienced fear. You may know this story. He was a young boy. He went down into a valley. He was a shepherd boy, actually. Walked down into a valley where he faced a giant named Goliath. And on that day... Goliath was defeated, but David would be the first to tell you that he didn't defeat Goliath. God did. And this morning, if you're in a valley and you are facing a giant, I want you to know that you're not David. And you don't have to defeat that giant. But there is another shepherd who will step into your valley and who will fight for you. And his name is Jesus. And he is the good shepherd. And whatever you're facing, I just want to invite you to invite Jesus into that valley to face that giant. Jesus once said, he literally said this. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But then he said this, take heart, because I've already overcome the world. So we can sing with the psalmist, whom shall I fear? We can confess and say, We're no longer, we feel fear, but we're no longer slaves to fear because we are the sons and daughters, we are the children of God. And this morning, if you're feeling afraid, I don't, I can't answer the question why we feel that as people who believe in the God of the Bible, but I can tell you this, the God of the Bible is with you. He is for you and he is in you. And this week, my prayer for you is that you would be brave and courageous and that you would wait patiently 
for the Lord. Let's sing.